Today on Frightful Failures on Film, we will be sipping off another delicious cup of half and half with the first half of Night of the Wild and the end of My Mom is a Werewolf. That's right, it's a killer canine double feature this week. So, investigate that distress call, and if you see an open egg, stick your face next to it. Because it's time for... Frightful Failures! <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for finding the frequency of our show once again. Uh, I am Zach Romero. Joining me is Tien Guignol. And uh, we want to take the next hour or so and hopefully provide a little entertainment for you and discuss uh, the wide variety of things going on with horror. Uh, now, as as uh, the intro pointed out, we are doing another half-and-half half episode, which are quickly... well. They were quickly becoming a favorite of mine. This 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 experiment this week was not quite as uh, as enjoyable as the first week's experiment. I would agree with that. Even though this <laughs> one did have more, I'd say, connective tissue between the two movies, True. Uh, vaguely at least. Now there was a slight theme between the two. Yeah, they, um, they, they were far less enjoyable. But before we jump into all those, uh, first off, uh, did you? Mr. Romero, see any movies this week besides these movies? No, uh, and I, I knew you were going to ask that, and I, I am going to. I see, you were prepared for that. I question. was prepared for failure, yes, um, of a frightful variety. Uh, mm-hmm. The I know that Deadpool just came out on DVD and Blu-ray, mm-hmm. so I'm going to try to get my hands on that and uh, and scrap together some time to actually watch that, so I'll be caught up on pop culture. Um, I'm considering calling Guinness because the the last human being to ever see Deadpool. I know him personally. Well, He's not, not just that though. You right also now. you also know the the only person who has never seen Deadpool or Star Wars: The Force Awakens. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you, you can get both right next to each other, right there in the book. Just your face, just grinning. Uh, last person on earth to see these two movies. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be great. Uh, I saw a couple movies this week, uh, as, as is our tradition. I'll talk about the movies I saw, and Zach will just sit there in silence as he saw nothing. Um, so I saw Green Room in theaters. Oh, nice. Uh, How was that? It was pretty good. Um, I've gotten in this really bad habit lately of uh, making a movie in my head before I see it. Like, if it's anything I'm even roughly excited for, I'll kind of form the movie in my head based on the marketing I've seen thus far and the descriptions of it and the early reviews and things like that. I'll make it in my head, say, oh, this is the movie I'd make. And then so it it sucks because that's going to lead to disappointment no matter what because the filmmaker's not going to make the movie that I have in my head. Right. And so unless it exceeds that movie and goes, oh, they definitely did that shit better than I would have then it, it always leads to some amount of disappointment. That said, it's not a bad movie. It's very good. Uh, the gore is super cringy um, because it's legitimate and real. It feels very real. It's not somebody's fucking head flying across the room and saw eight. It's like, oh, my God, these are real people, and these are real weapons that they could have gotten a hold of, and mm-hmm. real fucking injuries they're inflicting on each other. So it's 
really, really hard to watch at points, but very, very good. Patrick Stewart is horrifying in it. And, uh, and Anton Yelchin, maybe the best performance I've seen of him because he's usually being a fucking cartoon character or a heartthrob in high school. So maybe yeah, my favorite say, performance. I was going to say, really? Me. Better than, uh, Charlie Bartlett? I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie Bartlett is, uh, definitely, uh, it, it's a standalone. It's standalone. I won't even hold a, I won't even hold a candle to Charlie Bartlett in this case, but also uh, but, I want to I want to say that your initial response to oh was was Green Room good is a ma- as I, how I imagine your response to uh, somebody asking how uh, you losing your virginity was like oh how was that um it was it was good it was good like just very unsure and like it wasn't by the way I'm telling you when I wrote the. When I wrote the full review of Losing My Virginity when it happened, it was roughly comparable. I talked a lot about the the version of Losing Virginity I had built up in my head that didn't right, involve like a lot of crying and like <laughs> panting. <laughs> That's the version it didn't contain. Um, but yesterday, uh, I actually sat down for uh, a little bit of a mar- movie marathon because I was uh, bored out of my mind, stuck around here, as I'm sure you're familiar with. Right. And uh, so I watched actually several movies I'd never seen before. I watched uh, several movies in a row. I watched uh, Memento was the first movie. I'd never seen Memento, believe it or not. Oh, um, yeah, so really enjoyed that, obviously. Great movie. Um, and then I watched Running Man. I'd never seen Running Man. What did you think of that? Holy shit. Uh, it's, I, I think that Arnold movies are like fucking Pringles. Like, you just can't just like eat one and be done with it. Like, I wanted more. I'm like, oh no, I need more. Uh, it's, it's so indescribable how someone feels, especially if you're not worn out, if you haven't seen every fucking Schwarzenegger movie. Right. Um, that it's indescribable the feeling of how you feel towards this man where you're like, you, don't make sense on paper, but you're so fucking great. You right. like nothing makes sense about why you're famous or why you've been in so many movies, but but this is incredible, and I need more of this immediately. Yeah, exactly. It's like a, it's like a it's a high end dessert. Like I don't need to know how this came to be. I'm just glad I get to enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't realize that Arnold, that, that people that wrote the scripts for Arnold movies after the Terminator had managed to work I'll Be Back into almost every damn movie of his. Basically. That was like in his contract at that point. Yeah, that's insane to me. So that was the second movie. Quite quite a turn, by the way, Memento to Running Man. True. And then I watched Sin City 2, which I hadn't seen yet. No, I haven't seen that either. And I know that it was made like 10 years after the first one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think part of the reason it took so long, just not only like contract stuff and who's going to put the money for this, you know, this movie that was made fucking eight years ago. But uh, I think another one of the things that I was told while I was watching it is that apparently Rob Rodriguez like couldn't barely get any of the actors in the same room during the filming, and because it's all on green screen, he finally just said, "All right, screw it. Like I'll just do them all individually." So there's scenes where it's like Jessica Alba talking to Mickey Rourke, and neither of them are in the same room. They're like handing each other items, like exchanging them, and neither of them are in the room <laughs> like at the same time, which is crazy. But honestly, I liked it. You know what? Uh, I was telling my friend I was watching it with, like, "Hey." um... This is the really spectacular aesthetic of Sin City done with better technology 10 years later, which right. is 
really cool. Um, so, so I enjoyed it definitely. I don't think that it received like that 30% that it has on Rotten Tomatoes right now. I don't think it deserves that at all. Um, and then we rounded out the night with, uh, Sleepy Hollow. So, so good, good night. Now, how do you think Sleepy Hollow has, uh, aged? You know, I honestly think it's still one of Burton's best. I'll be completely real, real, um, that I think that it's maybe one of the very few movies that uh, Depp and Burton have done together that doesn't seem totally try-hardy. Like, sure. I think even Edward Scissorhands seems very try-hardy, in my opinion. Like, I realize it was made before, you know, Burton right. was known as, you know, known for being Burton. But, like, certainly, uh, you know, nothing they've done recently uh, is even valid in a cinematic, <laughs> like, roundtable to even talk about. So I can't even discuss like Dark Shadows or you know Alice Wonderland or anything else like that. Like that's not, that's off the table entirely. Right. So in that sense, like I think that this fits right up against Ed Wood, and I even would prefer this to Edward Scissorhands. I think it's really really well done, and I think that Tim Burton absolutely needs to make movies that are not for children. I think he works much better with a rated R film. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that entirely. Um, Christina Ricci's boobs, uh, better over time, worse over time? Oh, man. Um, what are, are we talking like compared to Wednesday Adams? Because I'd say no, definitely better than not, that. Okay, you know what? Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> so. <sighs> All right. Well, um, I have something for you, actually. Oh. Um, I have, uh, and this is a little bit delayed uh, due to, and I apologize, everybody, for lack of episode last week. That's Romero's fault, as always. Um, but I was I just giving something. everybody time to really drink in the greatness of the previous episode. Just That's really true. soak it in like a fine, like a fine scotch. Just David Cummings, yeah, he was, he was. Take that Cummings right in the face is what I was Mm. trying to get. Oh boy, I hope he doesn't listen to this episode. (laughs) Uh, so, (laughs) I actually have uh, a bit of a segment here. I want to talk a little bit more about horror history because I feel like sometimes on this show we obsess over really just the bad horror Mm -hmm. and in my case, the newer bad horror. And we don't often talk about the good that's out there. So I wanted to start doing a segment where maybe I talk a little bit about, uh, something that was released in this previous, uh, calendar week and so we're actually going based on something that came out may 4th because this was from the previous week there and that was the tales from the dark side the movie that was the day that was released so tales from the dark side i'm sure you know many of you may not know though did in fact come before tales from the crypts despite the fact that crypt did achieve more critical success and ran for longer uh dark side was conceived by None other than George A. Romero of Living Dead fame, and it debuted its pilot episode in 1983. This is seven years before the movie. This was directly after the release of the moderately successful Creep Show, written by Stephen King. And this was uh, after five years of television. Really, the reason they they started it and didn't just call it Creep Show, the TV series, was sort of a contract issue at the time. Uh, the studio that owned Creep Show didn't want to necessarily give it up and say, "Hey, hey, we'll do our own thing." Um, but after five years on television, the series did conclude, and a film was uh, put up to service the official gravestone of the series. And in the creepy way that things tend to find full circle, Stephen King did actually uh, contribute a story to the feature, and his work in Creepshow inspiring the series itself. The movie had performances by Christian Slater, Steve Buscemi, and Julianne Moore. And in fact, this was one of Julianne's first movies. It was one of the movies that helped launch her career. And the film doesn't hold a super high regard in terms of the critics, but many fans, including Tom Savini, call it the unofficial Creepshow 3, 
and it did cement the horror anthology for many future works and the inspirations for movies like Trick or Treat. So there's a little bit about Dark Side for you, my friend. Excellent. Now, um, have you? How do you hold this movie in regard? You know, it's been a long time since I've seen it, okay. um, so so I, I can't have a super fresh opinion about it. A more professional person than I probably would have watched it, uh, talking about it on the show. <laughs> well, recently, that, more, but... that more professional person is me. Um, I watched this uh, front <laughs> to back, I would say probably maybe three months ago, just on a whim. Okay. Uh, and it's very good. I actually enjoy it quite a bit. I think it's one of the... Really, really excellently done anthology horror movies out there. Because you got to think, there's, there's this, there's Creep Show, there's Twilight Zone, there's Tales from the Hood, um, and that's really it in terms of like big anthology horror films that I could just pull out of my butthole off the top of my head. Well, I mean, um, you could you could qualify Crypt. I mean, Crypt did release a, a couple movies, right? But they weren't anthologies necessarily because uh, Tales from or. Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood are really just, like, single features. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so, looking it over, it's actually pretty good. And, yeah, it's funny because there's, uh, uh, like, infant Steve Buscemi and, uh, and Julianne Moore, who is, like, uh, bitchy but crazy hot in that movie. But, uh, but other than that, no, I really like it. I actually enjoy it quite a bit. And, uh, it is, it is a much better Creepshow 3 than the actual Creepshow 3. Which was made, I think, like ten years ago, and it's just dog shit. So, um, yeah. So, so you think compared to Creepshow one and two, and compared to something like Trick or Treat, you think it, it definitely holds water? I do, I do. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would say more so if you're doing a um, like a binge watching of Creepshow, I think it would hold up really well because it's again made in the similar era. And um, it wouldn't seem too tonally different, and is what you're saying. If you no, watch like it, one, two, and then uh, Dark Side, it wouldn't seem like, oh, this is a departure. No, no, honestly, it would be, with the exception of uh, a lack of comic book storytelling in it, because you know they would usually do like um, comic uh, transitions and things like that in the uh, Creep Show. With the exception of that, like it's just a slightly different intro, but it's basically trying to tell the same stories. So. Um, wow. I dig it. I think it's good. I can see why people don't necessarily hold it in high regard because it does have a very cheese kind of factor to it. But it, it's honestly, it's it's. Um, I think it's great, and I think it really holds up well with the rest of the Creepshow films. Well, that's awesome. And hey, that's that's just a little bit this week of your history of horror, folks. Let's take a break, and when we come back, guys, we're going to have your double feature. And welcome back. So, obviously, we got to talk about some positive things just a moment ago. We got to kind of uh, chew the fat in terms of, of horror uh, history, which is wonderful, and I would love to do more of that. However, we do have a task at hand here that uh, we were assigned. And as we kind of hinted towards at the beginning of the episode, uh, I usually love the half-and-half half idea. This This past assignment, not so much. Um, and this is actually the second time as well that you have decided, uh, you personally, by the way. Um, you, all me, blame me, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, as I usually do, but you personally decided that the order of this should be that we start with the newer movie, which ended up, I'd say, 
without sort of bearing the lead here, was more terrible. I think we can just agree right off the yeah. bat. And it usually ends up being the more terrible one because at least we could get a few more laughs out of the older picture. Uh, but, but no, that was uh, definitely worse. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do regret going, uh, deciding the order because I think at least for the um, Night of the Wild uh, one, I think that would have possibly been more interesting as the ending. And my mom was a werewolf. Probably wasn't interesting either way. So, uh, uh, so shame on me. I should have gone with the. Uh, I should have gone the opposite this time, and I didn't. Well, hey, maybe we got a little bit of dessert after our horrible, horrible dinner that we had. So, 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 why don't we go ahead and jump right in with this this appetizer here and uh, with Night of the Wild, uh, a movie that uh, it's a 2015 flick here. Um, it opens pretty unceremoniously. No title card or anything. Just the minute you hit the play button, there's a giant asteroid careening towards Earth. A giant green asteroid. Roughly the budget of, like, James Cameron's Avatar, it looks like. Oh, so clearly, yeah. It looks great. It looks really good. Um, so so that sort of hits the Earth. And, and then we actually do see a, a title card. We see two title cards. The first is a sci-fi movie, and the second is produced by Asylum. And all of a sudden, now I know why they didn't show those title cards at the beginning. Because right. putting those two names right at the very front of a movie before you even see anything is kind of like serving somebody a cup of soup with the word diarrhea written on the side of the bowl <laughs> in a restaurant. Because it may not be diarrhea soup, but certainly that's going to be the impression. Uh, and so, actually, I wish we could figure out a way to record ourselves watching the film in this case, because um, just seeing those title cards, I, I genuinely let out, oh, fuck. And then when the asylum was like, oh, no, like it was so genuinely upsetting to hear because good Lord almighty, what a winning combination of dog shit. Pun oh, intended. absolutely. Uh, so it, it opens up with this asteroid hitting the Earth. You know, we've got a big uh, meteor that's just landed here and sort of seemed to have scattered several pieces throughout this uh, small... Uh, once again, what, what are we looking at here? All the same towns. I mean, like, the yeah. Howl was the same thing. It's all like a Midwestern-type small town. Um, and there's a couple rednecks that are out hunting with their dogs and the dogs just start going crazy as soon as this meteor lands. And all of a sudden these wolves appear from inside the woods and attack the two hunters and the dogs really don't do anything to protect them. And so it introduces the concept of the movie, which is that this meteor is, I guess, affecting the various dogs and canine creatures of this town. Yeah. And so that's one thing that I thought was very bizarre to start with is that the movies are sort of like, yes, this is a small town in which every single person owns a dog in this town. Like every yeah. single person. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a scene like, there's almost like a dog montage later in the movie where it's, it, I think it's meant to instill like dread in us. Like, Oh, look, look how much we rely on dogs in our society. There's like seeing eye dogs and little like purse pooches and shit like that. And they're, they're just everywhere. And look, they could all just turn on us at any moment. But it was more like, what the fuck? What, what kind of town is this? Is this like, is this the town from best in show? Like what right. is going on in here? And, and I have to say that, uh, the, A, this concept for this film has already been done to death. Um, there was, uh, the movie Dogs, which I think was in like 78. There was a one where, uh, there was one with Jodan Baker that was, um, early on. And 
and not to mention the fact that fucking Cujo existed, you know, there have been movies of the same subject matter that have already done this much better 30 goddamn years ago. Um, but I will say that the one thing that this movie has going for it is it is night of the uh, surprising amount of editing. Because the problem <laughs> is you have, like, uh, like Tian just pointed out, you have every type of dog under the sun in this movie. And 90% of the dogs that they've used in this movie are not vicious dogs. They're just pooches. They're just sweet little four-legged fur babies. And it, the problem is, well, how do we make them look scary when they're not? And the solution is edit a lot of growling over them, even when it shows that they're clearly not growling. And uh, just do a lot of zoom-ins for when they move. the dog sort of moves off camera that we're just going to suggest, oh, hey, that's the dog killing somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, that was what impressed me most, was so much editing of like, oh, the dog's licking this guy's face. Ah, oh, but we're going to make it seem like he's biting his face off. It's really it's really spectacular. And we'll, we'll, we'll describe in, in detail a little bit more the other various methods that they can pay, convey doggy deaths in here, but they're all really great. Um, so we open on, I guess, our protagonists, uh, yeah. sort of this uh, middle to upper class family um, with a teenage daughter who's not exactly getting along with her parents. I mean, uh, literally, we can't even tell you, hey, this has been done to death, and this is we, you've heard us say this, because you actually have heard us say this over and over again. So just know it's the same thing that we've said before about every other teenage girl protagonist. It's, yeah. the, same, it's the same jokes. Just go listen to those episodes. Right, exactly. Um, so we get introduced to them, and yeah, there's like some weird static, uh, you know, in the family and the, everyone's not getting along and, and our final girl, I guess, is uh, uh, super ridiculously attached to her dog. That, like, this is her family and blah, blah, blah. And so we we get introduced to that and then at the same time, we're also introduced to this weird, like, everyone in this goddamn community owns a dog, big or small. We get uh, introduced to their um, almost offensive, uh, a feminine male neighbor who has a little scruffy little ball of fluff. We open with, with a bulldog in like a little cage barking its ass off. And then this, this fruity neighbor who's very upset about it. And so, uh, we've got a clip here. You can hear it for yourself. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. Too loud. He's too loud. Can you please control your animal? He's been barking all afternoon and he's upsetting Coconut. She's trembling like a leaf. I'm so sorry, Mr. Robinson. We'll, we'll keep Max quieter, I, I promise. I have a feeling that they gave the, the script to this actor and just kind of told him, like... Hey, here you go. And he said, like, you could really go with whatever kind of characterization for this you want. And he said, okay, I'm going to do Hank Azaria in the birdcage. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> he might as well have said the line at the end, like, after Quiet Down, like, I'm trying to rehearse my all-male nude cabaret in here, please. Basically. Basically. And also, I want to say sort of to, uh, well, wait, I'll, I'll hold off on that, because I, I had a gripe about uh, about how they handled the do- the bulldog's cage or whatever, because it was so stupid. Mm-hmm. But uh, So anyway, so we meet all these characters with dogs. There's like the old man, like, oh, dang it, Mayor, get out of here. There's all these stupid crap. And then uh, we get introduced to our first, uh, our first 
I guess, urban kill. Because as Tien pointed out, you know, it starts off with, oh, there's these wood wolves and they're going to kill, they kill these hunter guys. That's well, a really bad intro to the movie, by the way, because wolves could just already just kill somebody, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> like there's nothing about that's like, what is wrong with these wolves? Like they're, they're hungry and they attacked people. Like I've never even seen that normally in a movie, but yeah, like but, what, what's the problem with these ravenous, yeah. undomesticated animals? Like, yeah. So it would, be like really, if, it would be like if you did like a horror movie, you're like, no, 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 but here's the thing. The grizzly bear attacks people. Like, yeah, that's what they do. That's not that's really out of the ordinary. Their mo. Yeah, yeah. So it's not until uh, as as Zach said, we start to see the actual town, and a lot of the dogs are just barking, losing their shit, and owners are going, "What's wrong with Fido? I don't understand." And we see our our final girl leave with her friends. They're listening to a fucking audio book in the car, by the way, which I found really strange. Like they're 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 listening to some kind of like self help book or something in the car, um, as opposed to you know music or anything else. As they drive out to some, what are they doing? Camping, I guess. Yeah, it's supposedly. Really, yeah. And then again, we have this weird character moment where uh, they make some kind of reference to Final Girl's dog is going to be put down because I guess it's old or something like that. And she takes it like super seriously, and she's like, "Don't you ever fucking talk about my dog that way." And, like, it's all bent out of shape, and I'm like, what a nut bar this chick is. Like, I don't feel for her at all. I'm not like, oh, you know, pet owner who's concerned. I'm like, what a nut. It's just a dog. Like, And I love dogs. I've grown up with dogs. I'm like, it's just a goddamn dog. Like, relax. Yeah, she's going absolutely crazy. I, I can understand, I mean, because her, her friend makes some an inappropriate comment about, like, oh, well, you know, your, your old piece of shit dog, we're not going to see him anymore. It's the smell of death on him. Um, and instead of her reacting like a normal person and just going like, Hey, like, that's really not cool. Like I'm not in the best state of mind about this. And it really kind of hurts my feelings when you just make fun of it. It's just like, Oh, fuck you. And just, away. This dog is my family. And like stomps off. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Um, and then, uh, well, anyway, so what I was making reference to, so we get to see, uh, one of the prime examples of death by editing when a, uh, a dog catcher, is like is parks the car and all the dogs inside are going ape shit. And he's like, well, what seems to be the problem? And then one of the weird wood wolves comes out and uh, and jumps the, the the dog catcher and the oh my god, it's gonna sound a lot better than it is. Is, is all I'm gonna say at first. You okay in there? What is going on? Stop that So, he, so the dog jumps on him and is licking him and licking his face, and we're supposed to be acting horrified. Um, but my favorite is when the, the dog supposedly rips out his throat, uh, roadhouse style. But instead, what they did was they have a shot of the dog on the man's chest, like, barking and, and, and you know, whatever his face. In which the guy, by the way, did you notice he had to grab the dog by the snout and, like, put the dog's mouth on his neck? Like, yeah. he was, like, had to hold it in place, like, ah, oh, it's biting me. Uh, and then when they do, like, the, okay, now here's the effect of it's ripping out his throat, they literally just gave the dog, like, a, a piece of a steak. And they just, like, cut, they, like, cropped the bottom of the frame 
So the dogs are sort of pulling up on general meat, and they're like, eh, connect the dots. You get it. You get what he's doing. Uh, you, you could tell the the actor felt very uncomfortable. Aside from being a borderline Toby Award winner, um, you could tell that while he's getting killed, that the noises that he's making are like looking over at the PAs, like, "What do I do?" Right. It's like, ah, 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 like pointing at the dog, like, "Should I put his face on my face right. now?" Like, the dog ah, is really acting. What should I do here? Like, I thought these were trained. So we move on and, 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 uh, we start to see more of the town. It's cutting between kind of general, uh, I guess, quote unquote chaos. You can sort of call it happening in this town. Although they really don't go to the extent of it because they, they have a zero dollar budget. Right. So their, their chaos is like two dog attacks that they show on screen and a couple alleys people get when the, their little like poodle bites them that they're holding. Now, can I, can I, can I talk about like the domino effect death scene? Please. Okay, so there's a moment where, in the town, a dog gets loose from somewhere, I don't know where the fuck he comes from, and, like, scares a kid off his bike, and then the kid falls off the bike and, like, gets, like, a concussion and is dead. And then the mother of the final girl is driving in her sedan and is just staring at this child who has fallen off the bike, and then she hits a blind guy with a seeing-eye dog, and she hits him with his car, with her car, and then, like, 50 fucking townspeople show up out of nowhere, and they're helping the guy. And, like, and she kind of, like, zombie walks out of the car, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't have time to react. And they're like, oh, it's okay, he's all right. And then suddenly the dogs jump out of nowhere, and they start attacking everybody. And she just, like, slowly walks back in the car <laughs> and shuts the door and just slowly drives off. And I had to watch it. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm allergic to this movie. Um, I had to watch it. Again, just because I was like, is she controlling the dogs? Like, what the fuck is going on? Because this lady, she's acting so unnaturally. Like, she doesn't make a sound. Like, she doesn't even make a sound when she hits the blind guy. Not even like, oh my god, I hit... She just kind of goes, oh no. And then that's it. And then she's like, oh, I didn't mean to hit him. And they're like, oh, it's okay, don't worry. And then when the dogs are literally... It's a fucking team of Cujos going ape shit and biting everybody. And she just kind of goes, that's the damnedest thing. And just gets in the car and drives off. And I was like, what is this woman's deal? Like, I could not figure out what kind of acting choice that was. Well, I hope you're right. I hope that that's the reveal at the end of the movie that obviously we didn't see is that she's behind it all. She's, she's like the, the, female, the, she's she's, the yeah, she's dog queen. Yeah. Um, and she's got like a full like patchwork dog costume in her closet that she puts on Jesus. and like kind of kind of comes out like a full like fur outfit and, and leads them all and sits on a big throne made of bones. This scene actually, which is one of the best scenes of the movie because it really highlights how ridiculous the whole thing is from an acting perspective, from an effects perspective, from a writing perspective. It has all the kind of worst bits of it, right? <laughs> yeah. in a couple minutes. And, and this actually showcases kind of the other methods they have of portraying uh, dogs. Cause there's really three ways that they, they show dogs in this movie. There's the main way, which is actual live dog actors, mm -hmm. which I recognize quite a few of them. I don't know about you, but I saw, I definitely saw Bark Wahlberg in there. Um, <laughs> I saw Michael Canine. I saw oh, Dogbert, I saw Dogbert Growley Jr. I saw Helena Boneham Carter. I've got like 10 more of these and they just get worse, so I'll just stop. Yeah, please, um, stop, please. 
But uh, that, that's the main method, and that's the the uh, various levels of training too. Some of them you can tell are attack dogs because they'll be gripping a very suddenly heavily padded arm. Yeah, this no actor kidding. has like, oh my god, my sleeve just got ten times thicker. Holy shit! Which is hilarious, um, by the way, because yeah, they realized, oopsie daisy, that uh, you know the girls in the woods that are going to be attacked by dogs as well. They realize, uh oh, they're all wearing like t-shirts or spaghetti straps. How are we going to get them to, you know, have enough padding that we can have the dog attack them for a scene? So their solution is they literally say, wow, it's like it's hot and cold at the same time. Let me put on this hoodie real quick. Ta-da! And now suddenly they have protection on their arms that they can stuff with padding so the dog can attack them. Yeah, so, and keep in mind, though, that's the, the better half, and that's what you'll see in, you know, actual movies with a dog attack, is you'll see a trained attack dog that'll bite onto somebody's arm, um, but that's that's the better half of attacks. The, the, the worst half is the dog that really only knows, like, up and down and stay, and so they'll tell them up, and they'll jump up on their chest and knock them down, they'll go, ah! And then that's where the supreme editing comes oh, into place. God, yeah. So that's that's the dog actor part of it. Uh, there's a you only see it briefly in the half that we watched, but um, there are definitely CGI dogs in here which are fucking vomit inducing. They look like they're from somebody's screensaver on their Windows 98 computer. Um, <laughs> and then they also have uh, horrifying puppets that they'll use for close-up shots of something like biting somebody's groin or something. They'll have this, this like, terrible little rejected Muppet that they'll just go, like a sock, and just, like, grab onto somebody's leg with for a close-up for a second. So that's kind of the three methods that they use. Can, and... I, can, I, can I mention another uh, a moment of editing here? Oh, sure. So uh, one of the, the final girl's friends gets the shit bitten out of her, and it's just like, gushing blood, which is fucking ridiculous. And so they, like, uh, they scurry through the woods, they find a car, they're held up in there, and we're literally recreating fucking Cujo. And so one of the wolf dog devil beasts is trying to get at them, and it that, that scene was one of the ones that made me laugh the most in terms of editing, because they would, they thought they were fucking clever at the asylum. They, uh, they would do, they would shoot part of the scene from the perspective of the wolf, essentially where it's like all you're seeing is the human actor. And then they would flip-flop it, and then you would see, like, okay, here's the wolf in the window, because the wolf's trying to get in the car. And so when they would shoot from the animal's perspective, you see this girl is, she's got a baseball bat, and she is fucking wailing on this. Like, she is hitting the quote-unquote animal. She is, like, bashing the shit out of it and jabbing the fuck, like, throwing her whole fucking body weight into it, just jabbing the shit out of this. And then we would flip perspectives real quick, which is supposed to be continuing to tell the same story, and you see the bat is just sort of like poking around the dog because she doesn't want to actually hit the dog because the dog doesn't know what the fuck's going on. She thinks that Begin strips her in the car because that's when they get the dog to act. And, like, she's not actually hitting the dog very hard. And then it cuts back, and she's fucking swinging for the fences again. And then we cut back, and it's just kind of, like, nudging the dog a little bit with the bat. And I, I thought I was going to pee. I was like, that is the stupidest, like, at least speed up the frame rate on the, on the attack dog part <laughs> so it looks somewhat similar. Not this, oh, I'm going to Babe Ruth the shit out of you, and then I'll cut the other hand like, that's a good dog. It's a sweet puppy. That's a good dog. 
Yeah, that and anytime it was the shot of the dog, it's so clear that this is like a foam bat that they bought. Right. And so the, the dog's like biting onto it and you can like see it just kind of crushing down on this foam bat. Yeah. You know, it's like there's no like splintering wood or anything. It's like, oh, the, the, you know, the, here's the little toy. I'm poking you with it. <laughs> so that's really good. And also prior to that scene, the, the, because there's the three friends and one gets killed prior to the other two getting locked in the car there. And the one that gets killed while it's being licked to death, right. you can actually see because there's like you like Romero said there's there's squirting blood, but not from her. You can actually see blood coming from like a ketchup bottle that somebody has squirting onto her, coming right. from outside of the frame and squirting onto her. A stream of, of fake blood going onto her, which is really spectacular. I didn't know that that's how the human body works. That there was a somewhere in thin air that squirts. Onto you when you're being attacked, but hey, you learn something new every day with exactly. asylum. Exactly. Um, so to sort of round out this uh, this discussion of uh, <clears throat> of this movie, so uh, the Hank Azaria cosplayer from the beginning of the movie uh, gets his comeuppance when the bulldog in the uh, in the shitty cage is still barking, and so Fruit Cup comes out with the little pooch, and he's like, "Shut up already! This is why they euthanize dogs like you." And then the little one bites the fruit cup, and he goes, oh, no. And then the bulldog gets out of the cage, which I have to say was the part that I found the most ridiculous because they do this, like, dramatic zoom in on the clasp of the cage that gets, like, knocked loose as the dog continues to go apeshit, and then the dog gets out of the cage. But the problem is it's one of those latches that would not do that. It's one of those ones where you you grab the handle of it, you lift up, and you lock it over to the right, and then put it back down. There's no way you could bang, you could hit that cage with an atomic bomb, and unless you have, uh, you know, opposable thumbs to grab and move that over, there's no way it's just gonna oopsie daisy and, and open itself. There's no way. But they 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 zoom in on it and go, no no, it's definitely how that's working. And uh, I thought that was like one of the most ridiculous parts. Oh, absolutely. And it was obvious. I mean, I, I got, there's no even way to justify it. I was going to say, oh, well, maybe somebody else was about to let him out, but the, you can't, that, that wouldn't have happened. Um, and, and we do have the, the clip of that here, so you can check yeah. that out. Now what? Shut up! Will you please stop barking? Shut up. There's a reason why they euthanize dogs like you. Let's go. What's wrong with you? Come on. Coconut, what's wrong with you? Go 
cannot run! Uh, I will absolutely give the Toby Award to Chris Jory for his portrayal of Mr. Robison here. Uh, really spectacular cast. Um, our lead girl, Rosalind, I believe her name is, is played by Tristan Mays, who I know you all know from her uh, star-struck role in Gullah Gullah Island. Right. Uh, we all definitely know, and... It sounds like we're, we're pretty much done talking about this movie. This is the halfway point that we, we stopped at. And it sounds like, well, you, nothing happened. You're right. Nothing fucking happened. Which it, is why earlier we said we probably should have done the end of this one because um, I think that probably would have been a hell of a lot more interesting than let's establish all these characters who are terrible. Uh, although I will say if I wanted to give a positive to this movie, I bet this movie was f- unbelievably fun to film because any excuse just to be licked by puppies... Uh, you know, uh, for film has got to be worth the price of admission. Even if it's like, well, they're squirting some blood on me with a ketchup bottle, but still, these little pup pups are kissing me. It's pretty great. I hope that there's actually an actual scene of that later in the movie where there's like a puppy store and there's like ten golden retriever puppies that mangle somebody. But the no! just they, they just go ah! <laughs> every single puppy just licking them. Oh, that would be wonderful. So, so that's, uh, that's Night of the Wild for you. That's the beginning of Night of the Wild. Uh, really nothing happens. Um, and then we get a really, and Zach, I, I got a question for you. When you pick an eight, late 80s, early 90s movie for us to watch for the half and half, do you make sure that it's a movie that has a party right in the middle so that when we transfer, <laughs> it opens on a party? Uh, that's true. My, the brain twisters started in a party as did, uh, my mom stop her. My mom's a werewolf, and uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know what I think. It's just a happy coincidence that that we had. Although I did have, uh, I did make some notes on uh, some potential costumes that I wanted to steal from this movie that were in the party scene, such as uh, gorilla mask oh, yeah. and a fedora with a smartly uh, tailored polo shirt. Uh, I thought that was an excellent costume that I can steal. Um, the two people who are both dressed in garbage bags for some reason. I thought that was a very cute couple's costume. Um, the the caveman who was made out of uh, like dryer lint. I thought that was an excellent uh, costume idea as well. Uh, well, they ordered a lot of dryer lint for this movie, Zach. So that's true. Uh, that's true. <laughs> they needed to put the rest of it for you somewhere. Uh, yeah, that was re- really fantastic. So so uh, this is another late eighties, early nineties party we've we've jumped on. And it, we're almost immediately thrown in. I will say this for, for the, the, the half and half this time is that we get the concept way quicker than we did at Brain Twisters. Brain Twisters, Zach and I still had some questions up until the very end of the movie and even yeah. afterwards. This, it's almost like they start the party and then we see two girls walk to each other and say, Hey, I think my mom's acting kind of like a werewolf. You want to go like investigate that with me? And that's within a couple minutes of us starting the movie on our end. Which um, I, I think you'll probably agree with me on this, that this is one of the uh, the interesting aspects of doing this sort of um, review system where you watch, you come in the middle or the end of the movie. Um, especially in a case like this where, like you said, we literally were handed the premise of the movie two minutes into watching this segment. And it makes you go, well, what the hell was the first fucking part of the movie then? If we're just learning about it, like, if the movie is so nonchalantly being like, hey, she's definitely a werewolf now, then what the fuck was the first half of the movie? Like, it's not like we started, like, 15 minutes late. We are over uh, halfway through the film when we when we picked up My Mom's a Werewolf. And they're just now getting around to the kicker of, like, hey, she's definitely a werewolf now. Then what the fuck did you waste all this beginning time with? 
It actually feels like you've missed nothing, but especially when we get to, you know, like seeing the villain and everything, it feels like you've missed nothing. Like there's no exposition that we have missed. There's nothing we don't know about these characters or what has happened. Yeah, exactly. It was very, very bizarre. So, um, so yeah, we're in the middle of this party scene and, uh, there's some caveman doofus who the frumpy best friend is in love with, but he's kind of giving her the cold shoulder and he's hitting on, main girl's mom who has pointed ears and is furry already and she's got pointed teeth like she's in mid transformation and he's like hitting on her and she's hitting on him back and then uh which we never come back to i don't understand like what was about that moment i don't know i i'm, I'm assuming it's going to be something to do with like animal pheromones or something like that there's some stupid explanation for it they, 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 yeah but but it's not even justified in any way it's like she's just a total tease she just goes yeah baby why don't you go meet me upstairs and then she's upstairs trying to kind of get rid of some of her like more werewolfy features that she currently has and he's like all right i'm upstairs like you asked me to mrs robinson what now and she goes go the fuck away you pervert and that's it yeah, he's like, oh, but I came for my dessert. And she's like, have this, and just stuffs a big, uh, like, hairball into his face. And that, and then he's like, okay, and then we never see him again. Um, so, here's the thing about making a werewolf movie. Is typically when you make one, you're interested in the cinematic process of creating a transformation on screen. Which this movie's not interested in at all. No. You know, when uh, American Werewolf in London was made, they had, they, they wanted to design new methods of creating that sort of transformation on screen. You know, they said, let's, let's design new mechanics. Like, let's make this amazing on screen. This movie said, oh no, we're not interested in that. We're just going to cut back and we're going to have glued more shit to her face. Right. And that's going to be our version of the transformation. Yeah, it was really bizarre. So yeah, we're spending a majority of time, uh, you know, going through and, and just, you know, she just keeps shaving off leg hair and stupid shit like that. And so, uh, that, that was the, that was the majority of that opening scene was just her freaking the fuck out and trying to shave. And then at the end, we go full Tim Allen Santa Claus because after she's done shaving, oops, all the hair grows back. And so she's kind of, she kind of, the, uh, the rest of the guests of the party leave and she, uh, now being almost full werewolf at this point, uh, hides under a blanket from her daughter who comes in and says, Mom, like, what's going on? And she goes, Get out of here! And I guess this was the final shot. It said, oh, well, my mom's hiding under a blanket. It's official. She's a werewolf. And so goes to talk to her friend, the, the frumpy one in love with the caveman, to try and figure out how are we going to deal with this, as because, the title of the movie implies. Right. Uh, and so the reason she goes to her friend is because her friend is uh, a giant horror nerd, not unlike ourselves. And so she would know best on, on what to do with such a situation. And so this is, uh, this is the moment where she asks for help. Help me. My mom's a werewolf. You come barging in here, interrupt what might have been the most important phone call in my life, and tell me that your mom's a werewolf? I mean, my mother's a real honest-to-goodness werewolf. Big deal. My mother's a cow. This is serious. That weird gypsy at the convention was right. I think my mom's that wild animal that's been attacking all those women. This is your way of testing how gullible I can be, right? You think I'm making this up? Jennifer, calm down! 
You're always reading this horror trash. Tell me what to do. The stuff's not meant to be taken seriously. It's make-believe, Jennifer. How do you stop a werewolf? You shoot it with a silver bullet. She's my mom. I don't want to kill her. What do you want to do, paper trainer? Thanks for your help. Now, there's kind of a thing, uh, there's like a, a school of thought where people always sort of have like a little mental party anytime the title of a movie is mentioned within the movie. Um, this was not one of those cases for me. Every time somebody said like, oh, your mom's a werewolf, I was like, stop saying that. Don't say they it anymore. They say it fucking four times at least, or some variation of it. It's, it's got to be somewhere between four to ten fucking times in this in this clip. And they're like, uh-oh, looks like your mommy's a werewolf. I'm like, both stop. look at the camera. Stop saying that. Don't, no more. Don't, I get it. I got it. No more, please. Her friend's really ahead of her time, though. She's wearing CDs as earrings. I know, right? Like, boy, she had, they hadn't even reached the 90s yet. She had no clue how big CDs were going to be for a while. Yeah, very odd. Very, very odd. Um, and so, yeah, they decide that her friend kind of blows her off, like, oh, you're just trying to, you know, make me feel gullible, you know, this is, that's ridiculous, yada, yada, yada. And so then we cut back to, uh, the, the head werewolf guy, played by John Saxton, and, uh, John Saxton doing his best Jack Nicholson impression, I thought, because he's walking around with, like, the, the Ray-Bans on, and, like, Kind of given the sexy eye. And I have to say, um, I would have watched a whole movie of just John Saxon as, as a werewolf. Because I think he's, <laughs> he's a, he's a sleazy ass character. And I would have watched a movie of just him. Like, especially if it would have been, okay, here's my pitch. You ready? John Saxon is a werewolf who's a little over the hill. And now he's trying to get his groove back and find a werewolf bride so that he can rule his kingdom. John Saxton, fucking herpity derp derp in my mom, my milf is a werewolf. Like something <laughs> like that. That sounds way better. Yeah, Honestly, see, you exactly. just could have cast this guy in the Underworld movies. And exactly. Then had, had me. Oh, um, so. But, but here was the thing is every time, okay, so he, uh, John Saxton shows up. And, uh, and, and, and our lead girl is giving him a hard time, like, hey, you did something to my mom, don't, you're not allowed in here. And then he give, he lifts, he lowers his glasses and, like, gives her, like, the hypno eyes, which the movie explains is a werewolf power. Holy cow. Mesmerizing of the fuzz creatures. Werewolves have the power of hypnotizing people into believing that they're friends. Like, that was the explanation that the nerdy girl gives. Is, uh, is werewolves have that ability. But every time John Saxon would lower his sunglasses to give, like, the hypno eyes, the look on his face was, like, the camera would be right on him, and he would lower the sunglasses and just had a look on his face like, what the fuck am I doing in this movie? Like, that was the look on his face. Like, it was like, or that, you know, hypnotize, or he's gonna fire his agent after this. You know, either or. And so, uh, so I, I thought he was the best part of the movie. I would, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree. And so we do have the clip here of his confrontation with our mother, uh, our titular mother here, uh, and, and their interactions. Who are you? What's going on? I've come to set you free. You are becoming immortal. What the hell's happening to me? Oh, don't be afraid. I can show you how to survive. As a werewolf. A werewolf? Werewolf. Huh. And I need a werewife. Someone to keep my race alive. 
I need sons and daughters. Huh. And you, my love of one, who is going to give them to me? <laughs> I suppose we're going to live in a warehouse. <laughs> so the warehouse joke. It's a great joke. Again, <laughs> how dare you lie on the show? How <laughs> dare you? No, that was up there with the seeing a sci-fi production and an asylum production. That was up there, same amount of groan, when she was like, would we live in a warehouse? I was like, oh, God, stop <laughs> it. I had an ulcer. I developed an ulcer at that fucking line. Honestly, anytime they either made a terrible werewolf pun or said the line, my mom's a werewolf, they just should have like had every actor and all, every member of the crew just lean into frame and all stare directly into the camera. Oh, for a I, solid beat. I was hoping that every time they would say that, just somebody like in the background would just violently vomit. That's what I was <laughs> like. But you know what they say? Your mom's a werewolf. <laughs> Stupid. Well, they probably edited that sound out. Um, here's like, the thing. So you're right, John Saxon, very funny in this. But, you know, he's legitimately, he's set up as, this is the fucking werewolf king. Like, this is your big bad of this movie. And the way they show he's the big bad is after they show him leap out the window because, uh-oh, hubby's come home. And uh, this, like, schlubby guy is going to pose a threat to this werewolf. <laughs> so when the schlubby guy gets home and he wants to bang his wife, who's in half werewolf, <laughs> half past werewolf at this point... That scene was so weird, like this awkward, like almost rape, where he's like, come on, baby, let's get going. She's like, no, get off of me. And then like he grabs her legs and she's all hair and he's like, what's the dog doing in the bed? I was like, movie, what the fuck is going on? Like, what are you doing? They hired this actor and they're like, oh, you got me a real copy. And he's like, oh, well, fucking John Candy already exists. So I guess I'll just try and be that. But I'm not at all. Yeah, the poor so man's like, Poor man's yeah. Uncle Buck comes in and starts, but baby, I'm ready. Woo! I was like, what are you doing? It's like, uh, they, they have him, I mean, and they, they very, very well may have told him to do this. Like, hey, just go fucking crazy. Do like a strict tease and just like sing and dance and shit. But like, the other actors in the scene usually aren't even looking at him when he's doing that. They're just like embarrassed. They're like, she's tucked away under the sheets, like not looking at him while he's like, hey, baby, it's me. He's my big dick. And she's like, he's like, what are you doing under the covers? And she's like, oh, I have a chill. Why don't you go fix the heater? And he's like, I got a heater right here. And just starts grinding his dick against her. And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if they just felt like nobody else had personality. So they're like, here, you overcompensate for everybody. But yeah, he walks in like, baby, what are you doing? And like, starts, and yeah, everybody ignores him almost like he exists in his own pocket dimension. Like he's a ghost. Like I thought that was part of it for a second that he was he doesn't exist anymore, and he's just like, why isn't anybody paying attention to me? And everyone's just like, oh, did you hear something? And then <laughs> and I also love the fact that nobody acts like a regular person in this movie because yeah. when, when hubby opens the door, like, honey, I'm home. Who but to do? She's like karate kicking all the lamps in the room to fucking <laughs> the lights, and he's just like. Honey, what's the problem? Like, he's not like, hey, what the fuck is going on? Why are you attacking the lamps? He's just like, oh, power outage, whatever. Like, he just That's because every 90s writer wanted everything to just cleverly fit in with everything else. And so instead of having someone be a normal person for a second, be like, 
what the fuck are you doing? It's like, boy! And then they put in some one line like, I guess the lights are getting kicked in. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terrible. But, but really, prior to that scene, when the, the vampire, the John Saxon vampire leaves, um, their, their, uh, their clip to show, look how powerful this big, bad, like, vampire is, is having John Saxon, who's what, 45 when this yeah, movie's time, yeah, exactly. have him, like, hurdle over a lawn chair outside, like, look how powerful this vampire is, and they're like, alright, John, just jump over that lawn chair, and you see him just kind of awkwardly stumble over it, and <laughs> yeah. catch his toe on it, and knock it over, like, wow, what a strong werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> he is truly the king of the werewolves. <laughs> so, uh, so we go back and forth. Then we have this weird scene where uh, the 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 mom wakes up the next day and she's perfectly fine. Um, but now both girls are convinced that they have to try to like save the day. And so, Jennifer has has previously sought the help of this, I guess, gypsy that you probably met prior in the movie that talked to her mom and saw like, oh, you're turning into a werewolf. So she seeks her out, and the gypsy kind of opens the door, is like, go away. And then opens it and says, no, no, seriously, my mom's a werewolf. Looks at the camera, 10-second beat. Um, <laughs> the gypsy opens the door and goes, <laughs> and just violently because they said the goddamn title again. So the gypsy opens the door and looks in the face and goes, killer. Um, and then closes it. And the girl goes, well, I guess I got to go to somebody else. Turns around and the gypsy opens the door and goes, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, come on in. Zach? Zach. <laughs> Here's the difference between you and me. Uh-huh. I make this look good. Right. No. Uh, really, I, I pick movies that are god-awful, have bad right. actors, bullshit agendas, like hashtag horror. Right. You, you pick movies, like you said, where no one behaves like an actual human being. <laughs> what compelled that woman to open the door, say, kill your own mother, and then, I shit you not, one and a half seconds later, go, ah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that, that I said just now. With nothing else changing your mind whatsoever. Everybody, like, every 90s writer is like, oh boy, I've been out to the improv this weekend, and uh, everybody fucking shits their pants. It's in my routine, so my whole script's going to be a comedy. Um, and, and, and writes it like every single character is fucking George Carlin when they're right. not. So, so I think that's the difference between the movies you pick and the, the movies I pick is that they're shitty on in different ways. I would say. Yeah, this is shitty in a completely unrealistic. Who talks like that? Yeah, she literally rips open the door, murder your own mother, doesn't even fully close it, and go. You know what? I'm talking crazy. Get in here. Let me let's talk about werewolves for a minute, and then we'll figure out what we want to do. And so, and then the beauty is, so the next time we see Jennifer, she's like, okay, I talked with the gypsy woman. Like, she told me what's up, so now I'm going to whoop this werewolf's ass. And all she has is vampire stuff. She's got <laughs> garlic and holy water and crosses, none of which work on werewolves in any sort of capacity. So I was like, well, what the hell did you two talk about then? Because that's the whole setup. Oh, I got it from the right source, and I'm gonna, I can kick this werewolf's ass. Just kidding, I am completely ill-prepared for this. So John Saxton shows up. And oh, my God, which this was my favorite scene in the movie. This is absolutely my favorite scene in the movie, and I'm sure you have the same opinion on it I do, because they wa he walks up, and I bet what they told him is, hey, um, 
have kind of a funny interaction with each of these kind of uh, well-known vampire weapons. Have a little funny interaction with them. Take a bite out of the garlic, you know, like stick the cross up your ass, like put, you know, the holy water on your collarbones. Like, right. you know, just to have, have fun with it. And they probably told him, we're only going to use one shot of you doing <laughs> so this. You get it's right. going to be the best one. And instead, the, the, I guess in that room they get, well, they're all so good. Let's just make this a fucking five-minute scene of him interacting with every goddamn item on her person. So like, okay, uh, empty out your pockets. Let's see what else you got on you. So yeah, of course. So he walks up, cool, calm, and collected. Which okay, so let's set this up. So um, her her friend and uh, Jennifer and her sidekick show up at the house of the vampire shit, and they're like, oh well, we gotta go. The the Fangoria says we gotta find the the werewolf that turned your mom, kill him, and then she'll be okay. And they're having this whole conversation, and John Saxon's just sitting in the background on a lawn chair, and I thought he wasn't supposed to be in the scene at first. Like, I thought I was like, oh, God. Like, they told him, hey, go take a seat. Spot. <laughs> like, he didn't think they were going to be filming on that side. Because he literally gets up and just walks over like, hey, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and then he hits Jennifer with the hypno eyes. And then he just grabs the garlic and eats that. And while he's doing all this, the friend is providing commentary. Like, <laughs> like he grabs the garlic and bites into it. And her friend's like, oh, God, oh, God, I was hoping that was going to, nope, nope, that didn't stop him. That's a, okay, try the holy water, try the holy water. Nope, he's drinking the holy water. He's drinking it like Gatorade. All right, all right, that didn't work. All right, try the cross now. Try the cross. Like they, like they, there was a lot of ADR in this movie. A lot of like, let's record dialogue after the fact kind of thing. Like this is going to be more jokes or something, but I'm right. just being like golf commentary. Like, right, so. Uh, it's, uh, three under par in this one. And John Saxon's going to lower his sunglasses and fire his agent. Um, no, so, uh, so they finished that whole thing, but I have to say, and I want to, I want to get your opinion on this. When he was doing that, because John Saxon is like just oozing confidence at this point when he's biting into a into a garlic clove. Um, when he's doing that scene, where you kind of half expecting, like, like I'm watching it and I'm going, is John Saxon gonna fuck these two girls? <laughs> because like they both just stand there and just accept it, and he's just like, uh huh, like, uh, uh, I see you got a little garlic here. Oh. Ooh, spicy. Let me throw that. Oh, you get a little holy water here? Let me just dab a little bit of that like on the fucking... Yeah, 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 yeah. A little cologne there. Oh, a little cross? A little cross? Let me throw that to the fucking dog, because Jesus is dead. And I reign supreme. How's it going, ladies? Like, I was like, is he going to pull his dick out now? Like, what is going on here? I thought there was a chance of that, definitely. Uh, he needs a bride, and he didn't specify the, the age right. range of said bride. Right, exactly. So, you know, it very could have been. Um, so... <laughs> This is uh, we're, we're now reaching the climax of the film, and, and he's now gone into the house, and we know that the final confrontation is about to take place. He's about to do something. I don't know what his plan is to, to like kind of just throw her over his shoulder and go back to his. I like, guess I don't. Well, the movie doesn't Blair? even know. Yeah, it doesn't know. Like, or are they just gonna like fuck on the bed in the house, and that's gonna <laughs> cement? There's a moment where know? it seems like that, where he like throws her down and like jumps from behind. I was like, whoa, what is going on here? Um, but yeah, there's like this weird confrontation between the mom and John Saxton. They're both in full, quote unquote, werewolf mode. <laughs> Which means, hey, we got these Halloween masks. Oh, Fucking put them on now. They these were masks. so bad! Because even prior to that, I, I remember thinking to myself, like, what the fuck were they thinking? Like, this is not fur. Like, they could have, you could have gone to fucking Joanne's and just, like, bought, like, an actual roll, like, a few feet of fur and just kind of wrap that around a leg or an arm if you really had no 
damn budget at all. But it actually, I shit you not, the fur that they use on this lady when she's not full werewolf yet is like they went to like a pet groomer and said, give us all the shit you swept off the floor and we're just gonna like glue bits and pieces, just patches like she's like 13 going through werewolf puberty and can't grow like a full, you know, a full beard. And, and, and that's what they use. And then they're like, all right, but here comes the big reveal. It's a fucking mask. It's a shitty mask. Yeah, which to the point where th- when they would do like the the more intense like oh and then we zoom in on the face, you can see that like the mask, especially around the eyes, like doesn't connect to the skin. Like you can see that the that the eye is perfectly fine. Like they didn't do any makeup to the eye, and there's just like this very clear like circle where it's like, and this is all rubber, and it was just fucking terrible. And you um, can see if you look in the actor's eyes that they are just just cannot understand why they're there. Just are like, is this really the direction that we're we're told right now? Like, we just have to put this shit on. Now we just have to roll around, just jump around the fucking room, and just break everything in the set. Now I have to say, so uh, so the cops get called because there's some fucking loud, fat Andrew Dice Clay wannabe next door neighbor who's waiting for an opportunity to call the cops on his family for whatever fucking reason. Which I assume that's the first half of the movie is this fat fuck and his story. Um, so the cops show up, dad shows up, and so now, for whatever reason, the werewolf room is locked. Like, John Saxon and the mom are beating the shit out of each other in this room, and nobody's going in. Like, nobody's going in the door at all. And uh, and my other favorite moment is from fucking stupid wannabe John Candy dad, when he's like, what's going on in this room? And he opens the door, and it's two werewolves kicking the shit out of each other. And then he shuts the door and he's like got really weird clown makeup on for some reason. And he just looks, he just looks off and he just goes, I have to go to the bathroom now. And then that was it. Like then, like after that, he's totally cool with it. But for that one moment, I definitely did chuckle just because I was like, what the fuck kind of reaction is that? Like of all the things to come home to, he's just like, well, that is the damnedest thing. And then just walks away and that was it. And I was like, okay, we, that's an odd choice to make. He and the mother from um, Night of the Wild would have been a good pair. It's a good I mean, combo, just, yeah. I'm just, yeah. Let me completely no-sell the shit out of this situation yeah. and just walk off and do my own thing. At this point, Jennifer, the daughter, is now suited up, uh, which, once again, if I want to watch Fright Night, I just fucking watch, watch Fright, Fright Night. Night. Which is exactly what this is trying to be. Yeah, and so they go in and they uh, confront her and she, like, uh, stabs him with the silver spear that she made. Uh, the, the lead werewolf which is, there. Which is just like a, a hockey stick with a fork duct tape to the end of it, which I was like, <laughs> this is the stupidest fucking thing. He rolls around the, uh, around on the ground dying for, I shit you not, like 15 minutes. He's just rolling around <laughs> on the ground and just going, rah, rah. Um, and the cops finally get in and we do have a clip of, uh, them finally getting into the room. Mom! <laughs> She's in deep shit. Let me smell your breath. Only if I can smell yours. <laughs> Jennifer, Help me! The door. Hurry, please! Oh boy. 
Now, would you say that the you get you have to get to know her joke better or worse than the warehouse joke? Uh, I prefer warehouse personally. I think that'll be the t-shirt worthy one. Is warehouse? Here's, uh, now here's another question for you. So uh, when she finally snaps out of being a werewolf, which that transition is fucking awful. Like when Lon Chaney Wolfman is trumping you, like get the come on. <laughs> so she's like, "Where am I? Like, why is that man dead on the floor? Like, who are all you people?" And then she asks something about like, "What's the volume of the Baltic Sea or something like that?" And yeah. then one of the cops like, "Oh, it's ba 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 ba," and everyone just kind of looks at him like, "Huh? How did you know that?" At this point, I was like, "I would rather watch a movie about that guy. Like, why is he? What is his story? Let me see." Let me watch the movie where John Saxon, the sexy king of the werewolves, get his groove back, and this guy's trying to stop him. Like, this guy's Van Helsing. Like, I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll watch that movie instead. That's fair. Um, I th- that, to me, came down to one of those, uh, to the same thing of uh, every fucking 90s writer thinks they're George Carlin. You know, like, oh, this will be really funny. This is like, get it? Like, all right, you guys have seen Blazing Saddles, right? Okay, this will be a little, little bit of, like, anti-humor where you're expecting maybe she's going to say, what happened? Instead, she says this very specific, like... Uh, a, ge- a geographical question. Isn't that funny? And it's like, all right, I guess, but okay. Again, fine. you're sacrificing the, the nobody's acting like a human being actually would thing. Yeah. So that's pretty much the end of the movie, aside from uh, Jennifer laying in bed at the end and getting a call from Stacy and saying, hey, I was just reading the latest issue of Fangoria, and I hear there's another part of the werewolf lore that I just made up, which is that if you uh, don't, what is it, like burn the body or, or like perform some type of she ritual. She says perform an exorcism on the body, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. Perform an exorcism on the body of the whoever was turned into a werewolf, that their daughter could become one. Which, what? <laughs> what the fuck? Ha! What does that even mean? Like, I guess I, I can see the connective tissue of, oh, well, vampires have sort of mind control, so let's just give it to a werewolf. Sure, okay, that's not typically a werewolf lore type thing, but all right, I guess I'll buy into it. What? What is that? The If you don't perform an exorcism on the body, that the, the daughter will become a werewolf? Yeah, it was, what? if you don't perform an exorcism on the corpse of the king werewolf, then whoever killed the king werewolf becomes a werewolf, which is, this, like, doesn't make sense in any capacity. Because it's like, if it would make sense, it's like, oh, if you got blood on you, then blah, 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 something, something. But not just, oh, if you did the thing, but then there's this extra thing... And, like, I thought it was going to be, oh, if you don't burn the body, then John Saxon can come back or something like that. Like, that's what I was expecting. Not the, oh, hey, yeah, there's this weird fucking loophole that uh, now anybody who's a werewolf killer, they'll also become werewolf. That doesn't fucking make any sense. That's not fair. Those rules, you're just fucking making up rules. That doesn't make any sense. It made no sense at all. Uh, so, so that's the end of the movie. Is seeing uh, some fake teeth they put into Jennifer's mouth because apparently she might be becoming a werewolf now. Tune in next time for my daughter's my daughter's a werewolf. A werewolf. Yeah, exactly, uh, honey. I blew up the kids. All right. So, which of these movies did you prefer, Val? Which would you prefer to watch the the full version? Um, as much as uh, as much as. My mom is a werewolf. It was awful. Um, I would I would go watch it just to see the fucking John Saxton parts and just kind of see like if I had to watch all of one, I would say I would rather watch that just because John Saxton. Any more of him doing Nicholas uh, Jack Nicholson 
impression, I would watch. I feel like that would be at least worth a laugh. Um, and the stupid dog one was just so fucking dumb that I just can't get around it. Like, I at least want to see if they do anything with the dog one, if they go anywhere with it, if there's a, a point to any of it at all. Oh, all right. Uh, as you can see, this experiment worked out pretty well again this week, folks. Um, but uh, we now have the opportunity once more to actually figure out, unless you have any more thoughts about these movies. No, no, no. Yeah. These, these movies were painful, and I hate them both. Yes. So, so now we have the opportunity to actually maybe have one of us choose a movie for next week instead of doing this again. So we, we do have uh, a, another game here that we, that we have played this week. And uh, would love to see if there's an actual winner this time. So, um, this week we're, we're playing Taglines of Terror again, which, as you guys recall, is uh, we, we have a movie. And we have a few options that we were given about what is the tagline of this movie. And Zach and I both have to choose an answer there. So, let's see if we actually get a, a winner this week. Now, the first movie we were given was Reanimator, with the options being A, who's going to believe a talking head, B, Herbert West has a very good head on his shoulders and another one in a dish on his desk. And to see, this is a dream, it's fiction. And as I told Alicia, you and I, I believe, both have a poster for this movie. So this one was definitely a, a dead ringer, which is we both uh, went for B, the middle answer there. So we both were correct there. I don't want to say I knew this movie particularly well, but I knew the rest of the answer of the first option of who was going to believe a talking head, go get a job at a sideshow. <laughs> um, uh, then the next movie we were given was uh, Killer, Killer Clowns from Outer Space um, our options being In Space, No One Can Eat Ice Cream um, next being They Don't Need the Police, They Need a Psychiatrist and the final being What in the Blue Blazes is the Circus Doing in Town do you remember which you voted for? I believe I voted for uh, In Space Nobody Can Have Ice Cream I also did, which is the correct answer um Finally, uh, well, actually, we have a few more. We have uh, The Shining, which uh, the options were All Work and No Play Makes Jack a Dull Boy. Uh, we have Some Places Are Like People, Some Shine and Some Don't. And we have We're All Gonna Have a Real Good Time. It's my Jack, you see, Jack. Um, and uh, so we actually we both, it looks like, do you remember what you answered? I want to say I picked the one about Some Places Shine and Some Don't. I did as well, which is incorrect. Apparently, the actual tagline of the movie was all work and no play makes jack a dull boy which which is, makes sense because that's the most popular quote from the movie but yeah i just it's surprising to me i, I want to say for somebody as pretentious as kubrick that he right. would just use a, a line from the movie yeah i was gonna say i believe that's a scatman crothers line isn't it the uh the some places shine and some don't i want to say that's scatman crothers it might be but it sounds very like pretentious -y, kubrick -y, so i think that's why we both picked it um so then we have uh the lost boys here which is um uh, the first option being, you'd better get yourself a garlic t-shirt or it's your funeral. Uh, the second option being, come on, be one of us. And the third option being, sleep all day, party all night, never grow old, never die, it's fun to be a vampire. You know which one you picked. Yeah, I picked C on that. Yeah, I did as well. I think we also probably both have at least seen a poster of Lost Boys and not had one in our room at some point growing up. Right. We both picked that. So if you're keeping track at home, folks, we're tied right now. A fucking gen, we're tied right now. There's one question left. Hope to God one of us actually gets it right, one of us gets it wrong. And the last movie was something called Nail Gun Massacre, which I totally was unfamiliar with. Um, and uh, we had here, uh, Cheaper Than a Chainsaw was the first option. Uh, B being, Now Now, You Really Shouldn't Fall to Pieces. And the final option being, Time to Get Nailed. 
Um, I love the third one, so I voted for that. Do you remember which one you voted for? I think I said the last one as well. Actually, you said the first one. You said cheaper than a chainsaw. Thank God. Thank okay. God. And you were right, which means oh, you were this week, buddy. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> actually one. My God, if we had if we had tied again. I don't know what, what I would have done. Another half and half or if we tie again. That's I guess. Yeah, that's really the rules now. So, so yeah, there you go, folks. It uh, looks like Zach will be picking a movie from uh, for next week. Excellent. Excellent. I'll figure something out. I'll comb through... Uh through what I can find, and, and we'll go from there. I promise I will not be tracking down my daughter's going through PMS, and also she's a werewolf. I promise that won't be the... Uh... Please, please, no. We um, So we've come to the, the conclusion here, folks. Uh, real, real quick here. Uh, if you have uh, made it this far, please uh, give us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating. Give us a review. We love your feedback. And also, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you like something, you hate something, you want to see us review a movie, get a hold of us uh, on Twitter at Fright Failures, on Instagram, Frightful Failures, and uh, email us at FrightfulFailures at Yahoo. We, we will definitely respond to you. We'll, we'll tell you to fuck off, maybe if you tell us you hate the show. Like that's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll send you. You you know, if you ask us a, a question, we'll send you a soundbite of my pretend vomiting. Yeah. Like, Why oh, don't yeah. you guys ever talk about this movie? <laughs> we'll send you a ten-hour uh, YouTube video of, just, of Zach of vomiting. Every time uh, they say my mom is a werewolf in the movie, and then me vomiting violently. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have anything you want to plug this week, man? Uh, both. Uh, I have both reviews of Red Brown in Cage and Cage 2. Those are both up on YouTube now on uh, YouTube.com slash Horrible Horrors New. Uh, both of those. I love Red Brown. I think he was an amazing actor. I'm sad he doesn't really do much anymore. And uh, those are very ridiculous, action-y, muscly, Lou Ferrigno movies that are very silly. So, uh Please go check those out. And yes, to the people who keep commenting and going, these movies aren't horror movies. I'm aware of the name of the goddamn show. I was asked to do those movies and review them, so I did. So you can fuck off. Um, so uh, as as I said, we, there's a good chance we will tell you to fuck off. That's true. So as, as just why not what? roll the dice? It's like gambling. Why not yeah. play the stakes, see if we tell you to fuck off? Please. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's it for me. Um, uh, anything Thank you'd you. like to plug to him? Uh, aside from just the show uh, stuff there, following us, liking us, leaving us a review, we really, really appreciate your support. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, any kind of feedback right now, we really appreciate it. So uh, that's it for me. Thanks. All right. So thank you, everyone, once again for listening to Frightful Failures on Film. I am, of course, Zach Romero. And I am Tian Guignol. Thank you for listening, and continue circulating the tapes. <laughs>